0: Back in 2021, the Mets were linked to Theo Epstein, of course, the legendary executive from his time with the Boston Red Sox and Chicago Cubs. Epstein and Steve Cohen ended up meeting once decided they didn't particularly want to work together going forward, and that was that. Flash forward to now, 2023, Mets are being linked, of course, for many, many months, if not years, to David Stearns. Not as accomplished as Epstein, of course, but has a great reputation from his time running the Milwaukee Brewers. Stearns has been able to talk to clubs as of August 1st. Industry sources are linking him to the Mets and the Astros, as first reported by The Athletic. What I can add to that is that the Mets have gotten further down the road with Stearns than they ever did with Epstein. This was not a one and done meeting. And there's a possibility that they will hire him as a president of baseball operations. Billy Epler would remain with the organization either way. There are no sure things yet. But David Stearns and Mets has now advanced from the rumor phase into the concrete phase they have been talking.
1: Tony, I know you said players about Stearns. What do they have to say? Yeah, the Mets actually have four guys on their roster right now who did play under Stearns or on rosters that Stearns constructed in Milwaukee. So I spoke to a couple of them this week in Washington, and they were very complimentary of David Stearns. I think that goes without saying of a guy who has that kind of success. And people did talk about his track record, his education, all that stuff. But I would say, Sal, what struck me, is that, you know, the criticism you hear of David Stearns maybe is that he can be a little robotic. You know, you get that sometimes with some of these Ivy League educated guys, etc. He seems like the opposite from what these players are saying. He seems like a very personable guy. Daniel Vogelbach described the guy who's out around the cage at BP every day, which you certainly don't see from a lot of GMs around the league, interacting with his players in the clubhouse sometimes, things like that. So um, that's the type of thing that I think can play well in New York and can certainly play well when you're coming to a new team in a new organization looking to shake things up. So. Yeah, that's my takeaway, and it's, it's, I think, a good one for the Mets if they do wind up getting this guy. Listen, David Stearns looks the part, right? He's a New York kid. He has the pedigree in Milwaukee where he's built winning teams, not championship teams, but winning teams, and would come in as an accomplished director of baseball operations. So it's a tough move to kill down the road if the Mets go in that direction? Because to me, fellas, it's the obvious move. It's the no-brainer move. He wants the job, it sure seems like. The Mets clearly want him. Now, if there's a knock on David Stearns, he did a fabulous job developing a pitching staff with the Milwaukee Brewers. He did not do the same thing when it comes to developing a lineup with the Milwaukee Brewers where it's been a team that has struggled to score runs on a consistent basis, but if we're sitting here a month from now and David Stearns is the new director of baseball operations with the New York Mets, who in their right mind could kill that move? I mean, honestly, who can? No, I think it's probably the best. I mean, look, I know people bring up Theo Epstein, but that's he doesn't not want realistic. the job. Exactly right. But Stearns is from here. You, know, you pair that with Steve Cohen, who loves the team. Stearns reportedly grew up a Met fan. Billy Epler had experience in New York. Uh, yeah, you can't knock that trio. Assuming that it does get done eventually, let's make the call to the bullpen and welcome in Jim Duque. Cat Jim, what makes Stern so appealing to the Mets?
2: Well, listen, I think there's a lot of reasons. Like some that already were mentioned by by these guys, but you know, I think there's he's been trained really well. First off, he started out as a Met intern, right under Omar Minaya, and then he went over to the Commissioner's Office, and he's got that pedigree coming from MLB. He went over to Cleveland. Cleveland's had a high success rate. He learned under that group there, and he went down to Houston, learned under Jeff Luno, who, you know, had a tremendous success down there in the uh, Astros organization before going to Milwaukee. And then when you look at what he's done in Milwaukee, he's won five of the last six years. If you count this year, they're going to win the division. That'll be, I think, three division titles over that stretch. Uh, you know, he's built a team on a very small market budget, very similar to what Tampa has done and even Cleveland. He's probably done it as well or better in some cases. So he has all of the elements. I'm really curious when and if he comes over, how he would do with a much bigger payroll. You know, I think even last year, you know, talk about the relatability there that uh, Vogelbach was talking about. You know, he acknowledged when he made the trade, uh, trading Josh Hader last year, that it didn't resonate in the clubhouse there and uh, realized his ways. and, And maybe that was not the right move. Uh, Because they didn't get to the postseason after that. So there's a lot of things that I think, you know, he's learned on the job there. He's maybe made a couple of mistakes that, you know, he won't make when he comes to New York. So I think it's a really good fit if they can come to terms.
3: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, September the 10th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, no G. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as RisingApple.com. Welcome to another edition of the extended Garbage Time Talking Mets. It's almost like uh, we've grabbed that moniker for Masterpiece Theater. Yes, it is Garbage Time. And I'll be honest with you guys, I am kind of tired of it. I actually can't wait for the season to end. This has been, and I'll get into more of a post-mortem and thoughts on the season and where it stands in Mets history. Cause this has been an odd year. I think I'll wait till the end of the year to do that. Or when it's really dead in terms of news, fortunately, even since the sell-off at the end of uh, July, the Mets have been able to make some, you know, newsworthy, uh, not moves, but there's been some news around the team and some things to talk about. So anyway, I guess I'm going off on a tangent already and I haven't even started up yet. But uh, as far as this edition of the program, David Stearns, he potentially could be the next president of baseball operations. We'll get into that. Are the fans underappreciating Billy Upler? We'll get into that. Kodai Senga again, struggled a little bit on Friday, but the results looked pretty good even without his best outing out there, without his best control and command. Is Kodai Singham maybe an ace? Maybe the Mets have an ace, and they didn't have to go out and worry about signing another Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. We'll talk about that. And who out of the baby Mets, and boy, do I hate that term, but I guess in order to describe the segment, I have to use it. Who out of the baby Mets might be the best? We'll give you a little hint. It's somebody that recently was called up, and Ed Blankmeyer, Talk to the New York Post. Ed was a uh, manager a couple of years ago down in Brooklyn and had a chance to be around all those guys. So we'll hear, you know, we'll, I'll give you a hint about who Ed thought. You kind of saw that little teaser there who the best of the baby Mets are, and he gave some interesting insights to the New York Post earlier this week. So we'll round out the show, talk about that. But you heard coming in, Andy Martino, the Mets are down the line or down the way, whatever you want to call it, with David Stearns potentially being the Mets' next president of baseball operations this is a a job that steve cohen has wanted to fill for a while traditionally as we talked about a week ago the real way to do this is to come in as the owner hire your president of baseball operation who's out there to set the vision and i think that that's important because even i as i looked at these titles i'm like let me do a little research i mean really It gets muddy. The president of baseball operations, the GM, I mean, teams have employed that and, you know, you start to go out and, and look at what some other teams have done. And look, your president of baseball operations basically overlooks the whole entire uh, baseball front office situation. It's more about the strategic vision. It's more about being at the head of that table. It's more about with your scouting and player development, your GM, who will be Billy Epler and all the other stakeholders within the baseball realm, that individual is there to kind of set the vision, bless off on what each department's doing. They're not there to go out and do what a GM would do, which is worrying about who's the 26th man on the doubleheader on August 18th. You know, that's what the day-to-day stuff with the GM is. It's more of a strategic type of situation. And, that's why you hire them first. I even looked at what uh, – and it was really interesting when the Tigers hired Scott Harris away from the Giants, who was a Giants GM, and they talked about you know why they hired Scott Harris. They talked about his ability to construct a baseball organization that's competitive with the modern game. They talked about his leadership ability, having the ability as an executive at multiple levels, and his ability to mentor talented baseball operations leaders. Uh, innovation, I mean, these are things that right now are falling on Billy Upler, and maybe falling on a guy who's more of a GM, more of a baseball rat, so to speak, someone who's very into analytics. When you talk about the entire organization developing and procuring leadership talent into the front office, that's what the president of baseball operation is to do. And truthfully, when Cohen came in and wanted to hire somebody, I mean, since then, over the course of the last couple of years, there's been talk of somebody who will be the team president, someone with a much bigger role that will have an impact on, obviously, the baseball, which is the core reason why the team exists, but also the business side of the organization. Really, right now, the Mets don't have it, and they had because of the situation with Cohen coming in in the middle of COVID and some of the stuff that happened and some of the misnomers about who he is and fears of, you know, being in New York or working for him. I think some of it is New York and the media. We've talked about that ad nauseum on, on this program. Uh, it didn't happen. So they had to hire Billy Epler. Billy Epler has been running the show. And look, it's, it's clumsy for Billy Epler to be involved in hiring his boss. But the rumors are about Peter Gammons a couple of weeks ago said that the Mets should be hiring someone soon. Everyone said, what's Pete know? Well, now you're hearing they're down the road with Stearns. No short thing. It sounds like Houston is in the mix. Uh, look, I and you heard going in. There's some nice things to like about Stearns, New York guy. Uh, Duquette talked about how and, and and Anthony DeComo, they talked about, I guess the human element to Stearns, where he's not this robotic Harvard educated Ivy League analytics guy that all he sees is numbers and and stratomatic players on the on the back of the stratomatic card. Seems like he tries to get down on the field. He recognized with his trade of Josh Hader in the Milwaukee situation about how that impacted the clubhouse in a negative way. So the people aspect of the game he seems to get has worked in the MLB front office with the Mets, with the Indians, worked on the Lundhau in in Houston, whatever you think about the Astros and Lundhau with the whole trash can situation. That's an organization that was transformative. So you learn a lot. He's got a lot of experience. And then he's out in Milwaukee, Working for an owner that it was described as, you know, a demanding private equity guy, not with the same budget as a Steve Cohen, mind you. And he goes out there on the Brewers consistently, albeit in a division that hasn't been the strongest. So let's just put it out there. You know, yes, the Cardinals are in that division, but still the the NL Central hasn't been the strongest with the Reds and the Pirates, you know, being some easy wins and easy W's. Even the Cubs uh, have been, uh, up until now, last couple of years, haven't been the, the best competition. But you don't take anything away from him. So he's got some promise. Look, you're not going out there and hiring a Billy Bean or a Theo Epstein with that kind of resume. First of all, those guys are not available. They've moved on to the next phase of their baseball lives. Sounds like Epstein wants to be an owner. Bean, I think, is just happy in transitioning that team to Las Vegas. I mean, he's talked about for a decade you know, wanting to be more in a in an ownership situation or a mentorship situation, so you know those are pipe dreams. You know, the, uh, Cohen had to do his due diligence. So, you know, it is the right move in the sense where this is a promising young exe- young executive. We have no idea how he's going to perform. Uh, everybody has him down as this all star superstar executive. We have no idea. Uh, he did some nice things in Milwaukee, but uh, let's face it. It's not like the Brewers have been the '98 to uh, 2001 Yankees here. They don't have four titles in five years. Uh, he didn't break curses in two different places like Theo Epstein. He didn't transform the game, uh, you know, like a uh, 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 Billy Bean. You know, it didn't happen. So you're you're basically looking at a guy similar to you would as a player who has a nice resume, has done some nice things in a in a market not New York, but you like what they have to bring, and you think they're ready to take the next jump into stardom, and maybe that's the case. And here's the best thing, and I don't know if Cohen listens to this show. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Certainly they're not going to make any decisions about the president of baseball operations listening to this program, although I give some good ideas. I'm going to pat myself on the back. But we've talked about the task at hand, about how long it's been since the Mets won, how they're in this 1940 New York Rangers curse, you know, if you want to put them in the same vein as the Red Sox and the Cubs situation, and the pressure and the media, and even now with the whole Stern situation, they've already tightened the screws on Cohen Joel Sherman writing an article saying how if they don't hire this guy, it's a failure, they're already saying he can't not hire him, I don't agree with that It'd be nice to hire David Sterns, but look, uh, I, you know it's not the end of the mats if David Sterns doesn't come here, I'm sorry you know, this is not He's not the Shohei Ohtani of executives. Let's put it that way. There's nobody that's too big that will, you know, not getting them will destroy this franchise. I mean, I don't believe that. But I think it is important for them to start building out this front office because it's been disjointed from day one under Cohen. It start, started to show this year because of this disjointedness. Epler's been trying to hold it together, and he's done a really nice job. But the point here is, is that Stern's living here, having worked here briefly as an intern, under Manaya a time which was a very difficult time despite some of the success around here because of the collapses and what have you, understands what he's getting into. He understands the market. He understands the fan expectation. He understands the media. So Stearns coming here negates this wide-eyed Ivy League, you know, other executive from Cleveland or Milwaukee or Tampa that you know may have all the skills that you need and all the best ideas but has no idea coming here how that translates to the media and the fans and whatnot that's why you know i heard recently someone tell me that there are a lot of people in the Mets organization i'm not talking about the front office you think the Mets can't rebuild because it's new york i mean that's a, a thing that's out there And look at the reaction when Billy Epler uh, sold off. I mean, despite the fact that now, four or five weeks later, everybody recognizes it was the right thing, recognizes that maybe he did not just a good job at the deadline, an outstanding job, yes, with Cohen's money, to bring talent in, trading two future Hall of Famers. I mean, look, the Mets have traded Hall of Famers in the past. They traded Tom Seaver. They didn't get the kind of talent that the Mets got paying down the salary of Scherzer and, and Verlander. Now it's talent. But it's tough because they were criticized. A lot of people, even after the Robertson trade, before that Scherzer-Verlander wild 72 hours that came a few days later, already, despite the fact that everybody knew that was coming, that it looked like that was the right thing to do, they won a game at Yankee Stadium, maybe you got your hopes up, and all of a sudden they rip it apart by sending their closer out, and the criticism started, and the fans' hand-wringing started, and the talk heads over at WFAN, to this day, there's one particular guy that just can't get over it and was screaming down Anthony Tacomo a couple of weeks ago. So a guy like Stearns gets it. So coming here, he's not going to be fooled into thinking that he's coming into Tampa, Milwaukee, or Cincinnati. You can't manage the team in that particular way. Now, part of that president of baseball operations, you have to wonder, is will he be the front-face voice for this team in front of the media because I think Billy Epler is not a good front-face voice for this team in the media. I think he's a nice guy. I think he's a bland guy. Um, You know, he gives you some meat to chew on. Not a lot. But he's very analytical-based. He's very dry. He's very inside baseball. And I said this, and you guys know it who've been listening for a while, back to last year's deadline. This is a guy that when things are bad, people are going to hate him. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened as the season went to hell in a handbag. And that's unfair because I think there should be some appreciation for Epler. There is still this idea out there from fans that Epler's gone and that Stearns is taken over this team. Stearns is not coming here to be a GM. He's done that gig already. He did that gig with Milwaukee. He stepped away as the team president and got out of that, you know, you know taking the leave of absence whether that was to decompress and get his family and his life in order for his next challenge we don't know was it that he was just burnt out from milwaukee and the ownership and maybe the near misses and you know the fact that he in his mind took that team as far as they could go and then there was the hater situation where they traded hater and it didn't go over well in the clubhouse and and maybe that was a mistake so you know I think that there's been this misperception that once Stearns comes in here, he's going to be the GM and do everything baseball. That to me has never been, and cohen has been pretty open about that, if you listened, that he wanted to hire president baseball operations. And there was talk of them hiring somebody that's going to be a team president, not just the baseball, the team president. And I would not be surprised if that's still Stearns, even though he's a baseball guy. Here's a smart guy, Harvard educated, worked in the commissioner's office, understands more than just balls and strikes. And that, if I'm Stearns, I really want to put my chips at the center of the table and get paid big money. That's the job I go and get. The team president, not the president of baseball operations, the entire team, from the business side to the baseball side, everything has your fingerprints on that. And if they win and they become a better organization, top to bottom in all facets, under him as the team president, wow, that puts you into a pantheon. Because that's the challenge. Weiss from Houston. Houston's probably a better, not probably, definitely Texas is probably a better place to live than New York these days. I mean, I wouldn't live there, but I know there's a lot of reasons to live there from a financial standpoint to, you know, culture and whatnot, depending on the kind of person you are. Uh, He is from New York, he is from Manhattan, so maybe that's not his cup of tea, but he was out there, and it might be a better place to raise a family, you know, debatable, but could be a better place. So I wouldn't just dismiss the Astros, but without any kind of cap, You have to think that Cohen's going to throw big money. And if the challenge is New York and on top of it, the possibility, and this is me just speculating, you know, reading the tea leaves from what we've heard, that this is more than just a president of baseball operations or a baseball front office job, but a job about team president. You know, that's a big deal. I don't know if you're getting that in Houston. I don't know if you're getting that in Boston. You know, it doesn't sound like the Yankees are getting rid of Brian Cashman anytime soon, so he's the only chance for him to come back home is the Mets. You know, the Phillies have Dombrowski. I don't think the Phillies are an option. So, you know, that's where that's at. As far as Epler, I think it's really unfair how much bashing he gets. He has done a good job. Everybody forgets the circumstances that he came under. He was not the number one choice of GM. It was a schizophrenic situation because of all the Alderson transition and the Zach Scott fiasco and the Jared Porter fiasco. I mean, nothing has been traditional for Cohen from the point that he closed on the team in the middle of a pandemic after the season ended a month after the season ended and had no choice, but to shotgun the 2021 season. I mean, they've been shotgunning this team for two years. I mean, Epler gets hired right around Thanksgiving in the middle of free agency and has to pivot and, I mean, look, comes in, Black Friday, signs Marte, Cana, Escobar. I mean, all three of those guys, whether you like where they are right now or not in terms of, you know, what you got in terms of the trades or what they did this year, they are all parts of the 2022 Met 100-win team, important parts. And none of their contracts were albatrosses, even Marte. I know that Marte's still up in the air. And then immediately, a week later, he lands shares. I mean, this is the GM. Yes, With the help of Cohen and Cohen's salesmanship and Cohen's money. Cohen's money is always going to be a benefit to anybody who's in that chair. He beat the Dodgers for Scherzer and Verlander. Think about that. And the world champions. The same Mets team before he came in that also had Steve Cohen. But had Zach Scott and Sandy Alderson and Cohen in the meetings. Lost to the Dodgers for Trevor Bauer, who probably will never pitch in baseball again, is getting lit up from what I understand over in Japan. Just a winter earlier. Then you have the lockout. So you have the lockout clock going. So you have to get all this done with the lockout clock going. Comes back from the lockout, needs another starter, gets Chris Bassett, who was the Mets' most consistent starter throughout 2022. For JT Ken, a nice prospect, but an ERA over 8 and AA this year. Adam Aller who the Mets stole in the Rule 5 draft, had one good minor league season. That's a steal. Yes, Bassett was on the last year of his contract, so maybe that played into it, but that's a steal. No Bassett, no playoffs in 2022. Most consistent pitcher. And then you get a draft pick when he walks at the end of the year. Even this winter, he hit on Robertson. I know Robertson struggled since he got traded, but he was outstanding in the absence of Edwin Diaz. Tommy Pham was a fine. Brooks Raley... Senga, who we'll get into later. They might have even stole a quality bat in DJ Stewart. You don't like the deadline he had last year? Yes, I understand. You may even say, look at the prospects he gave up at Tyler Naquin. They have some promise in Cincinnati. But look, you know, whether it be the optional relievers like the Brighams of the world that you don't like or the fact that he didn't go all in last year, the directive from the owner is, I need a farm system. So Epler's trying to compete and win without a farm system that was very well healed. You saw that by the deals that they made, how it changed the farm system and the depth of the farm system overnight. They had to protect their top prospects, four of which now are in the big leagues and potentially going to be playing a big part in the offense next year. We haven't even gotten to the pitchers. So you protected all those guys, and who knows, if you land on a couple of them, you look like a genius because what were you going to get? You weren't going to get Juan Soto. You weren't going to get necessarily... A uber-impact player, so you were going to give up an A prospect, maybe for a B-minus or B-talent, for a team that was in pretty good place already and marginally was going to be improved. I know I sound like him. I mean, I'm not going to get crazy about this. Was everything great for Epler? No. Do I think he could have went a little bit more in on the bullpen this year and got a few more veteran arms instead of just relying on those optional relievers? Yes, I think he could have. Um, you know, did he go too bland on the offense with the contact and the defense? You know, looking at that from a city Field perspective where the Escobars and the Canons, maybe you could have went out and got more productive hitters. You know, maybe. But again, in context of him coming in last minute and trying to build this team, you know, from day one, it wasn't certain that the Mets were going to go blowing away the luxury tax. That wasn't the plan the first couple of years. And also remember this winter, the Correa situation hijacked the offseason, a successful offseason up to that point where they, they were able to get Nemo. They got Robertson. They re-signed their own guy. They got Verlander. Yeah, they lost to Grom, but you know, they were basically they were par. When they got Senga, the theory was the rotation was pretty much the same. They had a reinforcement for Diaz. Then the Correa situation comes it hijacks the entire holiday season and holds the Mets in hostage for three weeks. Maybe that's played a little part into them not rounding out the roster quite like they wanted to, but it is what it is. So I don't think it's fair to to say that this guy has been a bad GM, and I don't even care about Anaheim. And look, I read the article in The Athletic about how he recruited Senga, and this guy is entrenched in Japan. He did a good job of talking to his uh, baseball people, his pitching coach, his analytics team. I mean, he when you read that article by Will Salmon, of the athletic about how they recruited Senga. He did a good job putting all the resources that he had in front of him to make a pretty good decision on Senga and recruit Senga to the United States to play in New York, understanding the Japanese player and the cultural challenges they have, which may have a great impact on Otani this offseason. It may have impact on Yamamoto. Who knows? We don't know. Money talks in the end of the day and there are other good places to play in this league. So yes, am I excited? The Mets are finally putting this front office together. Yes, I am. I think it's been disjointed. You know, you, you're cleaning out the player development system. Stearns coming in potentially could you know put his own philosophy in. Epler goes into his lane as the GM. You know, somebody could go out there and and do the day in and day out job of the GM. Maybe Stearns takes over as the mouthpiece to the media. You know, maybe he's a little bit more polished. I don't know. I haven't heard him talk enough. You know, maybe that's still Epler, maybe Stearns, you know, stays out of the fray. I don't know. But I think right now, Cohen's doing some of that stuff. And I don't think Cohen wants to do that. I think Cohen wants to enjoy his toy. I think he wants to get into the big meetings to pitch the big free agents and the big uh, uh, agents. But he's got a pretty important day job because that day job funds, and that's a big-time day job, funds his toy. And without his focus there, the toy doesn't necessarily have the resources that it needs to be the best in the business. So uh, am I excited? Yes, the idea of this finally coming to a close. uh, I think Stearns is definitely a good candidate. Am I going to cry if it's not him? Absolutely not. I do have faith that Cohen is going to go out there and find a guy to fill this role, and I think that the Mets are going to be well on their way um, to to turning this thing around. I think it's going to take some time, and I think the biggest thing I keep saying is they're trying to win now, And rebuild. Nobody's ever done that. Really. I mean, the Dodgers, uh, under the equity group, did it, you know, a little bit. Um, But nobody, you know, typically teams rip this thing apart. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers actually got their management team in place pretty quick, unlike the Mets, when there was a transfer of ownership there. So, anyway, let's take a quick break. When we come back, is Kodai Singa an ace? And how does that impact the Mets and their off-season pursuits of pitching? Billy Eppler was pretty honest with Jim Duquette and Jim Bowden on SiriusXM Radio last week. They're going to go for pitching. There's some pitching out there. Not as high-level pitching as you think. There's a lot of maybes and ifs and risks. So does that make Senga more important? Is Senga an ace that we have right under our noses and we don't realize it? We'll talk about that and more right after this. <laughs>